Come on, let's all stand up. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Now, give him a hand like you're alive and awake. And yeah, I knew it was there. Hey, we don't sell products that you make in this church, uh, but I am going to tell you about a product that I owe $5 for, and that's to Brenda Hatfield. But uh, I, I really love this thing. She was explaining it to me. It's got scriptures. And uh, what does she call it? Snap Free Now. And the one I have is Genesis 22, uh, Je uh, Jehovah Jireh, God is our provider. And how many of you have a mind that goes the wrong way sometimes? Can I see your hand? Half of you. How many of you lie from time to time? Half of you. We all do, and it's really cool. When your mind starts going the wrong direction, you take your little band and you snap it, and you give yourself just a little tweak right there, and you say, God is going to supply all of my needs. So can you say, God is going to supply, going to supply all of my needs? And then in addition, you get what it means right here on your little card. So we're not selling anything in this church, but I am telling you what Brenda's doing, and I owe her $5. So glory to God. If you all want one, you can owe her $5 or give her $5, and you can have one. So my wife, come on up here. You're going to share with me. It's good to have her back. In Jesus' name, the bed was made, Wanda. The bed was made. And... Uh, it is, it is in great shape. So, hey, before we get started, I want us to pray. Um, I, I mentioned this quite some time ago, but house resolution and the, and the number just escaped me. Sandy, what was that? 490. Yeah, put that up on the PowerPoint. Uh, th this uh, house bill, it's not, it's not I think it's still uh, in, in the committee right now. But it's been introduced by the senator from Iowa, and we're going to promote this more and, and promote it more with all of you to do something here in the state of Indiana with our two senators. One senator I know will be on board uh, with the other senator we'll have a question mark about, but we'll find out. But, but this is, is an interesting bill. I don't know why it's taken so long to have somebody introduce this, but this is a bill to introduce into our legislative body that if we can define when life begins, then that is something that would be good based on what God would think. And that this will define life as when the heart beats. Now, I know there are different opinions as to when life begins in the womb, but you've got to start somewhere. Everybody say, you've got to start somewhere. And that in this particular case, this bill states that once the heart is beating in a womb, then the only way to stop that heart is to murder that person in that womb because it is a life in God's eyes. It's a life in our eyes. And uh, we need to pray for this bill. I'm encouraging all of you to send emails to your senators, to your house, uh, 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 your representatives in the state of Indiana. And this needs to get out of committee and this needs to become law in our nation. The Supreme Court, a lot of people don't know this, but the Supreme Court ruled in Roe versus Wade in the majority opinion that if life would ever be defined, then it could make Roe versus Wade uh, null and void if they define when life is in an individual's body. This would define what I believe is God's will that the moment a heart beat in the, in the womb, that child is alive and is duly protected under the Constitution of the United States of America if this ever became law. And I believe it is the will of God for this to become law. Can you say amen to that? Father, we do pray for this House resolution. 
we pray that it would come out of committee, that it wouldn't be caught up by people sticking their fingers up in the air and trying to figure out which way the political landscape is blowing, but they would do what your will would be, that we would come to our spiritual senses and realize that anybody uh, with an ounce of brain would realize that murdering a baby in a womb is not the right thing to do. And I thank you for that, Lord. I pray that, that it will get out of that committee and that it would be passed into law. We have a president who is in favor of it. And uh, Lord, I just pray that in Jesus' name, your will be done. In his name we pray and everybody that agreed said. Now turn to your neighbor and say, do something about it. Don't just, don't just thinking about it. The body of Christ ever became. I'll say this again so I got all your attention. If the body of Christ in America ever became politically active, we would take back our nation. We have a president who is very receptive to the Christian community. Speaking of our president, I'm going to tell you a story about what I saw on Fox News on the way over here. I think it's hilarious. Whether you love him or not, I, I love Donald Trump. I really do. Uh, I, I would not say everything that he says, although I would say a lot of what he says. <laughs> but uh, we have a, a, a conservative who leans more toward the things of God than towards the things of the devil. And uh, so anyway, I guess I might as well say it. He was sharing on Fox News. He put together a video. Deb, I don't know if you saw this or not, but this video he put together and showed it to Kim, uh, uh, Prime Minister Kim, or whatever he's called, ultimate ruler or something, up there in uh, North Korea uh, about what they could have if they would. And it was all ready to go during the meeting. And during Trump's meeting with Kim, they, they, he showed this video. He said he was really fascinated by it. And he showed them where all these missiles were launched. And the, the, some of the fake news is going crazy over what he said already. But they showed all these missiles being launched. And he said, Kim, this is a beautiful beach where you're launching all these, all these missiles. He said, it could be a tremendous tourist attraction. We could build huge condos over here. You could have people from all over the world come to North Korea. You just need to join the modern world. And he said Kim was excited about the possibility. Now, he is a ruthless, murdering dictator. You were probably not a ruthless, murdering dictator, but before Jesus, you were on your way to hell. And you got turned around. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're not ruthless, you're not a murderer. <laughs> Although we have had those in our church. Steve Goley. Steve Goley got his life turned around. I believe that I, Kim could get saved just like we all got saved turn the whole world around over there on that peninsula, and it could be for the glory of God. Can you say amen? Anyway, it excited me. What, okay, you want to open with, uh, with the modern confession that you brought forth, and then I'll go back to the oldie but goodie from the 50s. Okay, let's make this confession, because it's true. Uh, you want to use a mic, or you just want to project? <laughs> okay, here we go. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Now for the oldie but goodies, good to see Bill and Sue back. This is their first Wednesday, no, yeah, first Wednesday since being back. And Deborah Avgerinas all the way back from Israel. So give them a hand for being back. 
And now for the oldie but the goodie, the Word of, of God, God is truth. truth. If, if I live the Word, I will be blessed. blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it's just that simple. You can get it. You can be seated. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> Today, oh, she's already gone. Today is Chris's birthday. Well, happy birthday to Chris. She's How 60 old? again. She, she's what? <laughs> she's How? 60 again. She's stuck in the 60s. She doesn't want to say anything else. She's just in the 60s. So how old is she? I'm not telling. Oh, I, I know how old she is. Well, you don't need to tell. Hey, if you have your Bibles, you can look at the book of <laughs> and James. And that's wisdom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that we're going to talk about. You can turn to the book of James chapter 1, because we are. We're going to talk about <clears throat> wisdom. Just ask. In other words, God wants you to have wisdom. And I'm going to paraphrase it here just for a moment, honey. But... Uh, I believe that, and you do too, I know, that the devil has been defeated. Powers and principalities have been disarmed. We have the power and authority and dominion over the devil. If the devil tries to attack us, we stand on the word of God. We resist the attack and he flees from us. So everywhere we go, we have victory and we are proclaiming victory. But I believe that there are a lot of people that wonder sometimes, what happened? Uh, it, it doesn't seem like victory is really working in my life. There's things that aren't going the way they should be. Uh, I know what the Word of God says, and I know the Word of God is true, but what happens, what's, what's happening in my life? I believe that many times we are operating in this world without God's wisdom. We're trying to take the Word of God and appropriate it over something, and the Word of God in this particular case is not what God wants us to stand on. He wants us to stand not only on the Word of God, but on the current manna that He has for us as to how to act in that situation. For instance, you can look all through the Old Covenant and the New Covenant about how Jesus healed, about in the Old Covenant how God brought forth the victories, and they weren't always the same, one right after the other. Jesus didn't heal people the same way, and He said, I only do what I see the Father do. What He was saying was, my dad is showing me how to bring forth healing into this person's eyes. I, I don't think Jesus stopped and said, why, Dad, are we taking a little saliva here, and why are we taking a little dirt, and why are we mixing it together, and why am I going to heal them this way? That's just the way God wanted it done. And Jesus said, I only do it the way the Father showed me. In the Old Covenant, when they did what God showed them to do in the battles, they were victorious. When they didn't do what God showed them, they were not victorious, even though the Word of God said, you'll be victorious anywhere that you go. God has not left us in charge with the battle plan. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are not in charge. We stand upon the Word of God, and what came to me as I was praying about this today, honey, is in the military, and you've heard me use this example before, but like, like this is the military foundation, that like Bill was in the Air Force, right? Army, I'm sorry, Army. He, he, he had a, a, a book, a, 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 a foundation book for all of the things that apply to the Army and how to be a good soldier and all those kind of things. You have the Marine Corps manual, you have the Air Force manual, all those kind of things. But then you have your current orders. This is how I want you to implement what it says right here. You don't just take this and go out and say, I'm in charge now. I'm going to take care of everything. You are going to implement what your orders are for that moment, for that battle, for that situation. And a lot of Christians will say, well, I can do all things for Christ who strengthens me. So they go out against the devil and God is showing them how to do it, but they aren't listening because they haven't asked God how to do it. And, and if we don't understand the importance of wisdom, I learned this lesson the hard way. 
I really did. Uh, John chapter 4, just before I met you, but I, I got a hold of John 14, 14. And it said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, glory to God, I've arrived. I know exactly what I want. A Lincoln Continental, I want out of debt. I, want, you know, I told God what all I wanted. I thought he was going to run out and get it all for me, like, you know, go shopping for me or something like that. Never got the Lincoln Continental. It took me years to get out of debt. Uh, thank God when I asked him for you, he did bring me you, but uh, a lot of other stuff he didn't bring me. Yeah, God, God's ways, uh, the Bible says, are higher than our ways. He says we can know his ways, though. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him, but the Spirit of God reveals them. Everybody say the Spirit of God. And so the wisdom of God, the, the Bible is full of the wisdom of God, but how we appropriate that to the situation that we're in becomes from the Holy Spirit uh, speaking to us, just like Jesus said, just like my husband just said. He knew what the Father wanted him to do in that situation, not necessarily what the people expected him to do. You know, oftentimes uh, we get the victory in something and we did it this way, and then it comes up again and we just we go ahead and do what we always did, and we don't get the victory like we did before uh, because God wants to do something in a different way, oftentimes just so he gets the glory and it's not about us. Sometimes he'll give us ways to do things that... With men, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so it's really important that um, when we think of wisdom, we don't just think of experienced wisdom, but what is the wisdom of God for me today, for this situation? And uh, we've learned that a lot in ministry. What we did 10 years ago that seemed like wisdom isn't necessarily wisdom for where we are today and it's not because God changes with the world. It's because God knows how to reach the world. God knows how to get to the victory. And so we need that strategy that God has. And the Bible's full of different strategies that God gave his people, especially the leaders uh, in military situations. He gave the strategy. And when they had his strategy, they were victorious. And he promised that they would be victorious, but they had to do it his way. Everybody say it's better to do it his way. <clears throat> we won't elaborate on this, but uh, this came right out of my prayer journal, uh, 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 worded a little bit differently. But don't try to figure out how to implement my plan. Ask me. I know how to implement. Can I see the hands of all the people that from time to time you feel like you know what God's will is and you try to figure it out and implement it yourself only to find out that I, I know God wanted me to succeed, but that really wasn't the way he wanted me to succeed. <laughs> We're still going to read James 1 in just a moment. We first got to Tulsa. I was going to come back home because I, I didn't want to stay. And, and Pam flew home. And, uh, and her, just before you flew home, your sister said, called you and said, you better find a house while you're there because Bill is going to get, on a plane, going to get in the car and drive home. Now, I, I never thought Chris was discerning in the spirit one way or the other. I just never even thought about it. But in that particular instance, she was. Most of the time, she's crazy. But that particular time, <laughs> she, was, she was right on because that was my plan. And uh, so we got, we got this house. And I prayed, and, uh, and the house was way more than we could afford. It was, but, but I'd just gotten saved, and I was living John chapter 14, verse 14. My God will do anything I say. And so we, this house was, uh, uh, we could afford about $400 a month, and the house was $1,800 a month. And but I they said, gave us a deal. We only had I to said, pay I'll tell you what I'll do, God. Then. See, I was, I was really, 
I really thought God was blessed to have me on his team. Uh, you may all look at me and think, oh, not really. no, I really did. Yeah, I really did. did. I was full of pride. I had very little humility. Still have to work in both of those areas. But, but back in that era, I, I really was very prideful. And I said, now, God, here's what I want. I said, I want all this money to take care of this house. And I said, by the way, they want a down a deposit of $1,800. And I don't have $1,800. So just tell them that we'll just wait until the first of the year. This is in October. And uh, yeah, October. And I said, just wait, wait. Just, I'm going to ask them to wait till the first of the year. Now think about this just for a moment. $1,800 times three. I, I'm going to have them wait till the first of the year. And, and then we'll come off the deposit because I know you'll take care of that, that down the road there. Can't afford the $1,800. So in, I didn't look at it that way. So I prayed it. So I called this guy up, the accountant who was handling the house. And he said, you see, I will do that. This <laughs> servant God's a cinch. So I'm, I'm really excited. Well, to make a long story short, ended up in court, ended up with all sorts of problems. Took me a year and a half to pay off the debt I got into. Listen, standing on what I thought was the Word of God. I wasn't operating under the leading of the Holy Spirit. I had no wisdom going on in my life, but I had opened the door to the devil to come in, and what little we had, take it. <laughs> he does a great job of killing, destroying, and all of those types of things. The devil's good at what he does, but God is better at what he does if we follow his will. So tell your neighbor, you need to pay attention tonight. Now. In James chapter 1, this, this, this message really, as far as living it, has saved my life. If any of you lacks wisdom, and I want to stop right there, and everybody say, that's me. That's in every situation that you're in, unless you have received wisdom from God, you lack wisdom. God is not looking for what you think. He wants you to know what he thinks. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to everybody liberally. Oh, he flows it out without reproach. It will be given to you, but don't, but ask in faith without doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let that man suppose that not, let that man not <laughs> but for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord because he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Can I see the hands of all the people that from time to time you become double-minded? It is because you're not standing on the wisdom of God in that situation. You haven't got it yet, or you were seeking it, and you think, oh, I'm not going to get it. God will speak to us the minute we ask for wisdom. And a lot of times, honey, we don't realize how fast it happens. We think we're going to pray long and hard. Well, we should pray long. We should pray hard. But it says right here, if you ask for wisdom, I'll give it to you. It's something yeah, that you, will come immediately. You can't put a time limit on what? God's going to tell you, uh, and to step out ahead of time. In that situation, the reason we got into even more difficulty was the man that was going to let us wait was a leasing agent for somebody who owned all these properties, and he was under the pressure to get them leased. And so his need and our need met, <laughs> and disaster happened to both of us. I think he ended up losing his job and we ended up having a big uh, bill that we had to pay because the owner was not making that agreement with us. The leasing agent was making that agreement, and he didn't have anything signed to protect himself. Therefore, we had nothing signed to protect ourselves. The wisdom of God 
is stable, you know. And what happened in that situation is we became very double-minded. Then, then the enemy could say, you probably aren't even supposed to be here. You're probably not even supposed to be doing what you're doing, which we were supposed to be doing what we're doing. We just took a step in the wrong direction, and it really shook our confidence in what we had heard God tell us to do that was right. So it's very important that uh, stability comes when you know you've heard God. How many of you have heard God about something? And you know that you know. Uh, Brother, Brother Roberts used to say, your knower knows. <laughs> you know, your knower knows that this is what God said. And then you move out in confidence, and God performs it. But when you step out and you're not confident that you have God's wisdom, then even if you're thinking you're going the right direction, you're not going to be stable. There's going to be things that can shake you in that decision that the enemy can use to get you diverted, even if it was right, but you didn't know it was God. Does that make sense? Because there's been lots of times I know what I'm doing is the right thing, but it wasn't the way God wanted me to do it, or it wasn't the time God wanted me to do it. I didn't say it the way God wanted me to say it, and I didn't accomplish what God wanted to be, be done. You know, God is, is he, he, wants, he wants us to be his friend. He wants us to love him. He wants us to trust him. Uh, if, if Bill turned to Sue and say, Sue, what do you think about this situation? She's going to tell him because she loves him and they want to work together. Now, Bill's going to try to do something funny down here. I know that. As soon as I used Bill as an example, I thought, why, I, why did I do that? But, but if, Sue, if Sue wants to know something from Bill, she's got to... Chris, Chris is really shaking her head back there. But if Sue wants to know something from Bill, all she got to do is say, Bill, what do you think about this? That's the way God, he's not going to withhold his desire for you to know something from you. Does that make sense? Yeah. In other words, if, if Pam, you know, I come to Pam and say, honey, what do you think? Where would you like to go to eat? You know, she's not going to withhold it from me. She's going to tell me and vice versa because you love that person and you want that person to know what you want when you come and ask for them. So that's the way God is. Now, I don't do this every single day, but I attempt to do it every single day. Every single day, I attempt to read the book of Proverbs. Not the whole book but the chapter that is that day of the week. There are 30 Proverbs, there are 30 days in most of the ones, and I read it every single day. I'm telling you, if you would live alone out of the book of Proverbs, your whole life would be changed because it's a book of wisdom. Now, I want to give you a couple of scriptures, but in Proverbs 3.13, it says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubles and all the things that you may desire cannot compare to wisdom. And then over in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, it says, Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth and not forsake her. She will preserve you, love her, keep her. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom in all of your understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. Honey, wisdom is the thing that we have to operate with every moment of every day in every decision. And I believe it is synonymous with what Jesus said when he said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only do what I ask the Father. God, what, Dad, what is, what is your will in this situation? And God will never not tell you what his will is. Yeah, it says in um, Proverbs 9:10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's not like you're scared of doing something wrong. It's that you have so much confidence in who God is, that reverence for God, 
that uh, it's the beginning of wisdom. That means that when you seek God for wisdom, that, that that's important that you have confidence that you can ask God and he will tell you. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Um, I think oftentimes I'll, I'll get wisdom from the Lord on a situation, but I don't understand fully what I'm supposed to do with that. How, how many of you have ever, yeah. I think I've got the wisdom, but now how do I do that? And sometimes we, we jump to that step before we really get the understanding. And so it says, get wisdom, get understanding in the scripture that, that Bill just read. And what, one of the things that we have to do is to be slow to think. When, when we're trying to apply what God wants us to do, I know I say this a lot, and I use it in a joking manner, and I don't mean it to be joking, but, but you know, how many of you are quick to think? You know, it's just like, first thing I do, start thinking. Okay, uh, I know what the Word of God says. Now here's how I'm going to implement it. This is what I think, and you come up with all these different things. Sometimes when I'm sitting with people, I won't use anybody by name, but uh, sometimes when I'm sitting with people and we talk about something and, th and they're telling me all of the things that we should be doing, and, and I'm thinking, how can you hear that fast? We just introduced it. How can you hear that fast? What they're doing is telling me what they think. Well, we don't want to know what we think. We want to know what God thinks so that then we can tell ourselves what to think. Does that make sense or is that double talk? In other words, it doesn't matter what you think although ultimately it does, what matters is what does God think, and then that's what you tell yourself to think, and then you're, on this, you're absolutely, totally united with God. And that if we understand that, it, it, it changes our life to say, God, what do you think about this? And, and there has to be a gap between the time that, okay, I know I need to start making a decision here, and I know God is going to supply all of my needs, but God, what do you think? What what do you want me to think about this, and what do you want me to implement? And that brings us to the definition of wisdom, because it's so important you understand how important wisdom is, because wisdom will, as it says, make you happy. Now, the word wisdom in the Hebrew is uh, chakma, not that that means anything, but it's principles of right living made or put into action. And then in the Greek, Sophia, it means the right or the correct application of God's truth. And then we have another uh, famous person here who has given you their definition of wisdom. Actually, that's mine. Uh, the ability to ask God. I had it on the note, but I didn't, it didn't make it on the screen. Okay, the ability to ask God how he wants his will implemented and to hear exactly step by step how he wants it done. In other words, God is not showing us through his word, okay, we're going to take on this city and we're going to do this, and now you guys figure out the battle plan. That's not how God operates. God has everything set and everything planned, and he'll show us exactly how to do it. You know, I was just thinking, in our world today, there's a lot of opinions. That's not necessarily wisdom. But even if you watch the news... Uh, the one thing that just really, I just turn it off. After a, the president, for instance, speaks, and then the commentators come on, and they give us their opinion of what they just said, like we can't hear, like we can't discern. Everybody say discern. That is a gift that the body of Christ has that the world does not have. The world operates in suspicion. 
The body of Christ operates in discernment. We've been given the ability to discern uh, motives of heart, to discern demonic spirits, to discern truth. Everybody say truth. And so I hear them start everybody giving their opinion of what they believe that person said or what they think is right. And in that opinion uh, discussion, everything gets watered down to a level that doesn't hold up to the standard of the word of God. Opinions can bring things into man's ways and plans instead of God's ways and plans because there's no opinion on the word of God. It is the word of God. It's here for reproof. It's here for instruction. And so there's not a lot of opinions that you can voice about the word of God. It's the word of God. But when you start into opinions, it just takes the level of truth to where it's palatable for everybody to believe something that really isn't truth. And pretty soon there becomes confusion in some instances to where people don't know what is even being said that's right by the time they listen to all the opinions. And that's why with God, I believe it's so important to wait until you hear from God, not let our own opinions or opinions of other people start infiltrating our mind before we really have the assurance of what God said. I was, I was just looking um, on my phone, and um, like the concordance part, and I put in there, uh, inquired of the Lord. Because if you study David's life, you will see many scriptures where it says, and David inquired of the Lord. And David inquired of the Lord. Everybody say, inquired of the, of Lord. the Lord. And it, there, these were for battle plans. These were for directions. David inquired of the Lord. Now, there could have been a lot of opinions for David because he was already anointed king when Saul was still king. So there could have been a lot of opinions, a lot of people saying, you know, well, he's already king or whatever they wanted to say to put him in a position of authority. But he knew he didn't have that. So he inquired of the Lord before he did things. And uh, one of my favorite stories is when the Philistines came after him when he became king. And there's two opportunities where they attacked. And so he inquired of the Lord, and he, he told him what to do, and he got the breakthrough. It said, my God, you know, caused me to break through. Then the next, just a little bit on down in the scripture, it's in 2 Samuel 5. It says, and David inquired of the Lord because they came back again. Should I do the same thing? He said, no, don't do that. It'll be when you hear the sound of the mulberry trees. Yeah. You know, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, that's a... That's a strategy plan for the will of God to defeat the Philistines so that God got the glory for it and not David and not his men. And oftentimes, the opinions of men take us into an arena where men are getting glorified instead of God being glorified. And I think that's really dangerous in our society today because many programs that are about the news of our nation, other nations, they have two people on there, and they call it fair and balanced I don't even think half of it's truth, but it may be fair and balanced. That just means everybody gets to say what they want, but God didn't say everybody gets to say what they want. He said, we're supposed to listen to what he says. And so I believe it's a dangerous place we've gotten into in our nation because of all the opinions. It's time to hear what God has got to say about that situation. Amen. <clears throat> I was, when I was praying about this message, I say, God, give me a couple of examples, if you would, about my own life, and I just shared one of them with you uh, when we first got out there to Tulsa, but one a little bit more current. 
w when we first started getting involved with the Dreamland, well, actually, there was no Dreamland. When we first found out about the need for an orphanage in the South Sudan, and the first need was, I'll try to just make it real short, but it was $12,000. And I said, God, we, we just don't have that kind of money. But I felt like in my spirit, God said, I want you to help them start the orphanage, your church. And I thought, okay, God, but, you know, we don't have $12,000. And I said, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to commit to do $12,000. So now I have the word. In other words, I think that I've heard from God, but I don't know how to do it. Everybody say, I've heard from God. But then you don't know how to do it. And so I said, God, I, I don't know what to do. And, and instantly in my spirit, this is what I heard. I, it wasn't just sitting down saying, John, God, I'm speaking John James 1, 5 to you. But I just said, God, I don't know what to do. How do you want me to do it? I was asking for wisdom. And God said, I want you to have a golf tournament. I said, oh, okay, and uh, how, do you, how do you want to do it? And I felt like the Lord showed me. So, you know, called up John and said, we're going to have a golf tournament. And he said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we'll have it at the ravines. And I said, okay. And uh, he said, well, how are we going to do it? And I said, I don't know. You're the golf teacher. You know, you, you coach golf out there at Harrison. You figure it out. And, uh, and, and he did, and he prayed about it, and, and we raised $12,000. And then the next time out, uh, I'm driving down the road, and, and, and I, God dropped into my spirit, asked Stanley, what he would do with $50,000. And I thought, now you'd think, you know, man of faith, okay, that settles the issue, what God said. I said, we're, we're, we're going to get $50,000. Well, I, you know, I, I really felt it was God. And so I, I asked Stanley, and Stanley had a plan. He said, and he said, where's $50,000 going to come from? I said, I don't know. I just want to know how, could, how you could use it that really help expedite things and really get it rolling over there. And so then I'm driving down the road and I said, God, I know you're telling us to do this and to raise $50,000, but I don't know how to do it. How do you want it done? And this is all I heard. Miniature golf, putt-putt. Miniature golf, putt-putt. And I'm thinking, that doesn't even make sense. Now, I'm just telling you how I talk with God. That doesn't even make sense. He knows I'm a little bit retarded sometimes, and so he just stays with me. And, this, you know, it's like, that doesn't even make sense, God. You know, it's as if you're talking to God and saying it doesn't make sense. But that's what I'm thinking. And then all of a sudden, I thought, well, yeah. There's a, a three 18-hole uh, courses at, at the, the, near the old mall. They tore it down, darn it. But, uh, but, but so I thought, yeah, we could do that. And so I went out and saw the, saw the guy, and he said, what are you going to do? And, 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 and when you've got the wisdom of God, it's all you need. Everybody say, all I need, all I need. Is, the of God. is the wisdom of God. And if you get people to agree with you, fine. And if you don't, leave them in the dust and keep moving. But don't stop what God's shown you to do. And so I went out there and told the, the, guy, the guy that managed the place at the time, I said, hey, would you let me have this for a Saturday? He said, yeah, what are you going to do? And I said, we're going to have a putt-putt golf course, and we're going to build a big uh, orphanage in the South Sudan. He said, how much are you going to raise? $50,000. There's no way you're going to raise $50,000. We had a tournament out here one time, they raised $1,000. And I thought, okay. Hmm, well, I guess, you know, I'm, so I'm listening to what he's saying, and I got what God's saying. So I got the wisdom of God on one hand, and I got this guy on the other hand, so I got to get away from him fast, but I got to get a commitment out of him first before I get away. He finally said, yeah, you can have it for $400. I thought, that's a heck of a deal. $400. God showed us how to do it. Brad got involved, and three other guys, and then everybody else in the whole church, all of you, the, the night of the tournament, we had fifty thousand one hundred and twenty some dollars that came in. It was just awesome. I thought we were all ready to go and everything was taken care of. And then I'm praying again. Everybody say, "Never stop praying." Never stop. 
I'm praying again, and God will bring you out of your comfort zone. If you can't raise 12000 he'll never have you raise 50000 Now we've got 50000 I'm driving down the road not even thinking about the Sudan, and all of a sudden, God drops in my heart, now raise 100000 Oh, God. <laughs> Isn't there anybody else to help do this? You know? and, and so all of a sudden, we've got $100,000. Now, the reason I brought this up is, th is this. Midway through that whole thing, I made an error. And I did something that I didn't want to do that I thought was wrong. But I was very similar to Joshua. And we're going to talk about Joshua in just a moment. But I listened to somebody that I shouldn't have listened to. It was my fault. Everybody say it was, it was the pastor's fault. It's the pastor's fault. Say it like you mean it. It was my fault. It was my fault. Nobody can make you make a wrong decision. If you are influenced by somebody else to make a wrong decision, it's not their fault. It's your fault. You are responsible for making wisdom decisions based on the will of God. And I made the wrong decision. When that night was over, we had $70,000. And I thought, God, what happened? And then God showed me what happened. God showed me. I was the problem. I have no problem being the problem as long as I learn from the problem. But if a person doesn't learn from the problem and they do the same thing over and over again, Paul said, I desire that you not be stupid. I am not stupid. <laughs> I learn from my mistakes. And you know, I've heard this said many times before, but if you learn from all your mistakes, most of you should be brilliant. <laughs> Now, we're going to talk about, but, but we, and we talked about that, and you've got examples in your own life of the same thing, honey, that is so simple. You just ask God, and He tells you, because He'll never tell you to do something that He doesn't want you to know how to do it. And you can't get locked up if you make a mistake. No. You really have to know that, because part of growing with God is uh, an opportunity to miss it sometimes. But God is a good God. He, he isn't wanting to accuse us of making mistakes. We just need to repent. You know, once he showed my husband where, you know, we missed that and that decision that was made to follow what, what man said instead of what God said, it, you know, sometimes those become our greatest stepping stones for the next thing because we've had to learn in that situation that God does know best, that we can believe for bigger because God said he will give us bigger, but we have to be willing to repent. Everybody say willing to repent. You know, I think in the body of Christ, sometimes it's so hard for people to say, I really, I really messed this up. You know, we learned when we were in Tulsa from our pastor that we had there, he, if he missed it, he stood up in front of everybody and said, I missed it. I've asked God to forgive me. I ask you all to forgive me. And we're going forward. Everybody say forward. forward. And uh, I think that's where a lot of people give up on God for wisdom is if they miss it, then they think the next time, well, what if, what if I miss it again? Well, if you miss it again, God will help you get back up and go again. Though I fall, I shall arise. And we have to keep that in our heart in all situations because we're growing. None of us have arrived at, you know, fully being everything God wants us to be because we go from glory to glory. And I think that's really important as you're hearing this message tonight. You may have something that comes to your mind and think, oh, that could be why that didn't work. Uh, and sometimes it causes other people to be in a position where they were affected by those choices. 
but God is a restorer of things that don't go right. It just takes us admitting, I didn't do that right. And then God helps us get back up and go again. I don't know where the proverb is now. I can't find it. I, I know I know it, but it's uh, the fear of man is a snare. <clears throat> and uh, and, and the, that, that happens many times with people, not, not that you don't know, but in your sphere of influence. You know, you, you, you don't want to necessarily upset somebody, but sometimes you need to say, look, I understand how you feel. It sounds great, but that's not the direction we're going. This is the direction we're going. And, and I want to give you this example, but before we do, about Joshua. But in uh, uh, John 16, 13, verse 15, it says that when the Spirit of truth has come, the Holy Spirit, now Jesus is talking about a future tense there, but we're living in, in past tense. The Holy Spirit has already come. When the Spirit of truth has come, He'll guide you into all truth. In other words, you have truth based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And He'll not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. In other words, He's asking God and hearing from God. He is delivering God's Word to you of what He wants done, and He'll tell you all of the things to come. Then it goes on and says, He'll always glorify me. Everything that God wants you to do will glorify Jesus. He'll take what is mine. He's talking about supplies now. He's taking, he'll take everything that I had available to me and he'll give it to you. Jesus had everything he needed to complete the will of God. Now the Holy Spirit's going to give it to us. And then it goes on in verse number 15 and says, everything that the Father has belongs to me. It's mine. And therefore I said that I will take of it and I will give it to you. In other words, through the will of God, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, not only will He show us God's plan, but He'll also give us all of the provisions through His wisdom. That's why when you look at Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do everything through Christ. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all of my needs. If you're running the journey and on the path that God wants you to have, then all of the supplies are going to take you. But if you've gone down the wrong path, even though it looks like a good path, and you're trying to get God to come over on your path to bring all of the supplies, and it's like, no, God's not there. He went the other direction because you missed it because we didn't have His wisdom. And we have a great example of that always in our own lives. All of you have an example, but uh, uh, in, in uh, the book of Joshua, Joshua is one of my favorite Old Testament leaders of all times. He was a man of God. He, first of all, he was humble before God. He was a servant to Moses. He just wanted to serve Moses. And then when Moses died, God promoted him because I believe he saw his faithfulness. And, and he promoted Basically, Joshua was told by God that it is in, it's in uh, Joshua chapter, uh, let's, let's, we'll put it up there, uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. He told uh, Joshua that, uh, who's that, Lisa? Glory to God. That's a good one. <laughs> in Jesus' name, no allergies, no sickness. But, but anyway, in, G, uh, in uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 3, it said, everywhere that your soul treads, you will have the land. In other words, wherever Joshua was going to go, he's going to have the land. He's basically saying, the land is going to be yours wherever you go. And then he went on in verse uh, uh, 8 and 9, and, and he said, basically, that if you'll meditate the Word of God day and night, you will make your way successful, you will make your way prosperous, and don't ever be discouraged, don't ever be dismayed. And that He wants us tenacious in our faith to know that God told me I'm going to take the land, and He's going to show me how to take the land. Joshua knew that. 
And so he's prepared to move out, and he did toward Jericho. And he, he was successful as long as he had God's plan to take that land. Even though God said, you will have the land, he still had to find out how. And so he had to ask God. And so Jericho was a, a tremendous victory because he did exactly and told the people to do exactly what God said, and they would, they would destroy that city. And it happened. His second battle was not quite the same. <laughs> In Joshua chapter 6, they may have some of it to put up there. I'm not sure, but I'll paraphrase it for you just for time's sake. But in Joshua chapter 6, uh, Joshua is, is approaching uh, Jericho. And, uh, and it says Jericho was uh, securely shut up because the children of Israel, none went in, none, none came out. And then verse number 2, and the Lord said to Joshua. Now, it doesn't say this, that Joshua inquired of God and said, God, how do you want me to take Jericho? But I believe that is exactly what happened. I believe as the leader and the, man, and the kind of man that, God, that Joshua was and how he saw Moses continually ask God what to do, how do you want me to handle it all, I believe that this is exactly what Joshua did. And he said, God, you know, give me wisdom. How do you want us to take Jericho? And this is what God said. See, I've given Jericho into your hands. It's king and the mighty men of valor. And then in all of the rest of it, you shall march around the city, all your men of war, you shall go all around the city once. Now think about this. These were fighting men that he was in charge of that served Moses. They knew how to be ruthless. They knew how to implement their weapons of war. They knew how to take people out. This you shall do six days. Now, now Joshua's getting his instructions right now. Verse number four, and the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. By the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. The priests, they will blow the trumpets. And verse number five, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with lamb's horn, ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down, and all the people will just come out and say, we surrender. All the people will go straight before them, and they're going to annihilate everybody. Everybody, and I want you to kill everybody in the whole city. How many of you are glad you were born in the New Covenant? <laughs> me, me too. Now, I read all that to say this. Here's Joshua. He, he, he knows the will of God because everywhere he walks, God's given him the land. Now he knows the wisdom of God and the plan of God, and he's got all these fighting men before him. And he's getting out there, and they're sharpening their swords. They're getting ready to cut off heads. They're getting ready to scale the walls. They probably had those things they put up against the side of the wall to scale the walls back in that era of time during fighting. They were ready for fighting. And Joshua comes up and says, look, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tiptoe around a little time. Then we're going to sing a couple of praise songs, and then we're going to shout real loud, and the walls are going to come down. Then we'll go in and annihilate everybody. I just have to think there's somebody there who says he's got to be kidding. But obviously the rank and file decided to follow him. And when you've got a strong leader who knows where he's going, people have a tendency to follow. But, but if you've got a weak leader, then people want to get in front of the leader and say, well, no, we think you ought to do this, think of that. He was a strong leader, and that was a powerful battle, honey. Sometimes we have powerful battles we face. And we have to be tenacious in knowing this is what God said, and this is how he said to do it, even when people will question us. I cannot imagine somebody did not question Joshua and say, Joshua, are you sure you haven't been smoking something? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But it is true that God's plans, his ways are not ours. They're, they're his, and I believe 
His ways always point to him being the victory. Even Jehoshaphat said, you know, was told, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And in that, I mean, that was a bizarre way to handle situations just to send out the worship team. I mean, I know that if I said to our worship team, listen, they're about to annihilate us, but uh, Wanda, you and Patricia, go ahead and just get right on out there. John, get your guitar. Justin, strap a drum on. We're going for it. You know, we're going against the enemy. That's not a battle plan to us. Uh, I know when we started this church, we felt to do one night a month, we would do praise and uh, worship and pray. And it felt like God said that's the battle plan (laughs) to bring victory in people's lives. Because when you're praising God, the Bible says that the devil's works are being bound and God's plans are going forth. So his ways are not necessarily ours, but it always shows the enemy and shows us that God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? It always brings the glory to him. It's a good word, honey. Now, I'm going to paraphrase the rest of it here for time's sake. But Joshua and all of his men had exactly what God told them they'd have. They annihilated the city. They had instructions not to take anything for themselves, nothing whatsoever, but to kill everything, no livestock, nothing. But we know that there was sin in the camp because one of the people under Joshua's command took some, some garments and took some, uh, some uh, 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 Achan. Achan? Is that right? Achan? And anyway, but, but he did wrong. <clears throat> and this caused sin to come into the camp. But the real problem for the next battle was this. Joshua sent out spies into the next city of Ai. And when he sent the spies out, it's in Joshua chapter 7, verse 3 or something, whatever it is up there, I have it on the notes. Uh, When Joshua sent the spies out and they came back, it's Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Uh, 7, 1 through 3, yeah. Uh, But basically, when the spies came back, they said, look, these people are smaller in number than, than the last battle. It's not that big of a deal. Let's not weary our people. Let's just send a few people up there in this battle. And Joshua listened to the people. Can I see the hands of all the people that in your past you have listened to people and really gone the wrong direction. May I see all of our hands lifted? I think all of us from time to time have done that. And, and Joshua listened to the people, and it made sense. Everybody say, it made sense. It made sense. It made sense. Why would we send up a big fighting force? The guys are tired already. We've been chopping off heads and arms and legs and killing sheep and all that kind of stuff. You know, we need a rest. We need to take a break here. And Joshua listened to the people, and he knew better. And instead of listening to God to say, God, what is your battle plan here? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. And they were found, soundly defeated, chased right back down the hill. And Joshua laid out flat on the ground and cried out to God and said, God, why have you done this? How many of us have ever done that? God, where are you when I really need you? You're down the wrong path of destruction. You're trying to get God to come your way. And God said, I'm over here. This is where you're supposed to be. And that's what, and finally, God, God spoke real strong to Joshua, get up off your feet. You got sin in the camp. And now I know it doesn't say this, but this is exactly what I believe. Joshua, if you'd have consulted me in the first place, I'd have told you you got sin in the camp. You could have gotten the sin out of the camp before you went into battle and you wouldn't have this problem. You're the problem, Joshua, not me. You didn't seek my wisdom for this battle. You did it on your own and you need to shape up or I'm going to get a new leader. 
Now, I, you might say, where's that in the Bible? It's only in my Bible. Uh, <laughs> I believe that's exactly what he meant. If you, if you, I'm going to get rid of you as a leader, and I'm going to get somebody else that will listen to me. That's exactly what happened. Joshua repented. He repented before the people. Achan lost his family. He lost everything because he wouldn't do what God had told him to do and follow orders. And then the second battle of Ai, Joshua went in and he listened to God. Now listen, the battle was totally different from Jericho. He said, I want you to come up to Ai with a fighting force in front, and I want you to run up to the gates. And when they come out and they start to defend themselves, I want you to retreat as if they're going to win. And you run away from them. They're going to all come out after you. And the other part of your force, the other half of it, they're going to be in back. Now, you and I can look at it and say, well, well, that's real simple to do. No, you don't cut your force in half. You don't cut it in half because then you can be, you'd not be as effective. Back in that era, you kept your forces multiplied. This was a new strategy. So he's got his force behind, and when the people come out after you, we'll attack from the rear, we'll burn the whole city, they'll see the smoke, and they'll all fall down. Now, it wasn't exactly like that, but that is exactly what happened. And they followed the plan, and everything worked perfect with God's plan. God's plan is perfect, ours is not. And the end of the book says, and not one word that God gave Joshua failed. It says that in two different chapters toward the end of the book. Not one word that God gave Joshua failed. Yep. yep. That's the wisdom of God. It does not fail. It won't fail. So, honey, how do we sum it all up? Ask God for wisdom. Joshua. First. <clears throat> you know, one thing that I, I, I realized I had forgotten the scriptures, Deuteronomy 34 9. <clears throat> it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of wisdom. Uh, that, that when he uh, apparently as a younger man or, or working for uh, Moses said he was full of wisdom. With the exception of the first battle of Ai, Joshua never failed to consult God. He never failed to get God's plan and he was victorious like no other leader up until that time other than Moses uh, ever, ever since that. So really the, the, what we have to do is I, the way I summed it all up, I felt like the Lord showed me, is what is the truth based on God's word and God's will? And then what is the wisdom of God for the application of that truth? We have things in our life. We discuss, we, it's just between the two of us because we're not sure how to dis bring it out because we're not sure the leading of the Lord. But then it's like, okay, I know what God's will is. It's to do A, B, C, and D and all these things. But then by the, how do we implement it? And then we have to be in agreement with each other as a husband and wife because you're one. But then you have to expand that out to other people so that they can know this is the direction we're going. This is what the Lord is saying and move forward. But until you have both of these, you really are not sure what God wants you to do. But it's very simple. The first thing, I believe it's so much simpler than we think it is. God, I need wisdom in this situation. Please show me. I believe God shows us instantly, and then sometimes we have a tendency to want to analyze it. Well, is that really God? Is that not really God? I've never done it this way before. Uh, I go back to Joshua when he was told how to take Jericho. Uh, <laughs> that's a weird battle plan but it was God's battle plan because God gets all the glory. You know, just recently, or just a few days ago, um, I had been, uh, to I had told uh, a couple that I would travel in November to Cambodia and to uh, Vietnam, Lemire, Hong Kong, uh, on a trip 
a missions trip where I would be speaking in women's conferences and we'd go to orphanages, deliver gifts. And, and I've always wanted to go to that. I, I felt that I was supposed to go to that part of the world at some point. And um, I was on my way back from this trip and I was on the last airplane from Charlotte flying back to Indianapolis. And I just prayed and I said, Lord, I don't feel like I'm supposed to go anymore this year. I don't feel like I'm supposed to do that. And, um, and, but I thought maybe it was just because there were a lot, there were some hardships on this trip that I ran into. Uh, number one, I, my husband has said, you cannot fly alone to Israel. And I ended up flying alone to Israel because the whole team missed their plane didn't connect with mine in Dallas. So I flew to Madrid and on to Israel and encountered some crazy stuff. But um, because of the security that's in the world today, mainly was why it happened. But um, I just, I didn't want to make that decision based on what had happened to me on that trip. And up until then, I was getting the emails in Israel to uh, go ahead, you know, and start the process of getting the tickets and everything for this trip. You have to do it way ahead when you're going that far away. And um, so when I got home, um, I said to my husband, uh, I just said, I, I just don't know if I'm supposed to take that trip. I feel a check about it. And he turned around and said to me, I haven't felt a peace about that one either. And so then I knew that's the wisdom of God. Everybody say the wisdom of God. Now I can sit around and try to figure out why, or I could go past it. Uh, but at this time, I felt to call them and say, I'm not supposed to make that trip at this time. Uh, even things that God's dropped in our heart that he's going to have us do, just because the opportunity comes doesn't necessarily mean it's the opportunity. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and yeah. we can jump on that because it, does, it is something God's told us, but the enemy's very sly too, and he can distract us. Not that my husband felt anything would happen to me. I didn't feel anything would happen to me. I just felt like I wasn't supposed to, to do it. And then the enemy says, well, you gave your word. You can't call up, blah, 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 blah. But I felt like, no, I told them I would, but something's changed that I don't know about, and I need to say I'm not doing it. And they were very good about it. I mean, that was fine with them. They understood completely. There was no problem. But the enemy will try to intimidate us to get us to do things that seem right because we've heard it. How many of you have heard things from God and you haven't seen them come to pass? And then, you know, there'll be a little crack or a little opening that looks like, oh, you know, I'm going to do what God said. And then something inside says, no, it's not that way. Don't do that. It's not, I'm going to do it, but not that way. You know, stop. And I think we're in live, living in a world, after this trip that I made, um, we are living in a world that has become very hostile. We are safe. We are protected by the blood of Jesus. We can travel anywhere. But... It's different. The, the atmosphere, the environment, a couple of situations where I was, I could feel the darkness come around me. And uh, I know why Jesus said go two by two, because it's important that there's somebody, you know, there with you. But, I mean, God took care of me, but it made me more aware of where we are in the world. You watch the television, but when you actually go into an environment, uh, especially in Madrid, where, where there's things that you can't know, that they don't speak your language, you can't find anybody who speaks your language, then your spirit has to be really in tune with what God's saying. And you need the wisdom of God to know which way to go, what to say, what to do. So I believe this is critical for where we are right now 
in our lives in the world we're living in. The wisdom of God is his, not just the truth of what he's told you, but how to implement that truth. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. I I believe I just felt this in my spirit as Pam was talking that uh, I know there are people here that need wisdom in areas of your life. I understand that. But I believe there are people here that I believe this is the word from the Lord. You have been facing things and you have been seeking God's wisdom and you already have it. And now you've entered into thinking about it like, well, this doesn't make sense to me but you already have the wisdom of God. Now you just need to implement it. And I believe this with all my heart because all of us can miss it. When you seek the wisdom of God and you believe you have it and you follow it and you move out on it, God is gonna make sure that you're gonna be protected. And if you have missed him, he's gonna protect you in that environment because he knew your heart was pure before him. But when you try to do it on your own, he's gonna let you go and he's gonna let you learn a lesson from it. But I want to pray, first of all, is there anybody here that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior or anybody that has walked away? Last Sunday in the second service, I thought everybody was part of our church, and I almost ended the service without it. And I even had said, uh, you know, that I know all of you are here, and I think all of you are saved. And then all of a sudden, I just felt this tug in my, in my spirit, and I slowed down. And uh, there were three people that came forward and gave their hearts to the Lord. God, I could have missed that, and this could have been their last day on earth for all I know, the first day in heaven. So let's bow our heads for a moment. If you're here, you've never accepted Jesus, or maybe you walked away from Jesus, maybe your life just isn't right. Don't let another day go by. This is important. This eternity awaits you if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And if you're here and you've never acknowledged him as your Lord, or you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, you've walked away from him, let tonight be the night you come back. And I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray for you. If you're not sure about eternity, don't let another moment go by. Anyone at all, hallelujah. Now, How many of you are in a position facing a situation where you really need to know the wisdom of God? Can I see your hands? Just lift them real high, real high. Now, believers, I want you to look around at all the hands that are raised, and let's pray right now that in Jesus' name, don't leave a person out. David, right behind you, there's a lady right over here on this end, right over here. Now, it is the will of God. Let's all say it. It is the will of God. That if I ask for wisdom, I have it. And now we are praying, and in the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God is going to give you His wisdom in that situation. And you may have already heard what you're about to hear again, but it will be God saying the same thing for you, that in the name of Jesus, you have wisdom. It is no different than the Word of God that says we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. The manifestation of the healing may come a little later in your body, but the healing is already done by the Word of God and by the will of God. And I pray that every single person here tonight with their hand lifted, that you have wisdom flowing now from the throne room of God by the Holy Spirit, and He is flooding your spirit with the will of God in that situation so that you will be able to implement by faith 
the wisdom of God to implement the plan of God and that it's going to be like this every moment of every day for every decision from this day forward that you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of the things that you have need of will be added to you and that you will have the same power the same authority and the same dominion on this earth that Jesus had when he walked on this earth and we thank God for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody that agreed said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. See you all at 9 and 11 for Father's Day this Sunday.